Chapter 14 of The Silver Princess in Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Silver Princess in Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. The Slave of the Magic Dinner Bell. How thankful Randy and Kabumpo were now for the Thundercold's fiery breath. Otherwise, they would have been in almost complete darkness, as scarcely any light at all trickled down through the dark red glass of the cellar windows. And there was small danger of his setting Jinniki's castle on fire, for the basement, like the rest of the palace, was constructed of thick plates of solid glass. But here below, the glass was not bright and sparkling as it was above stairs. Cobwebs clung to the glass beams, dust powdered the floors and round the walls in boxes and barrels stood the old or worn-out magic appliances of the red gin. There was no furnace in the cellar, for the castle was warmed in winter by a magic process of Jinnicky's own invention, and there were no doors, not even a closet or cupboard where any of them could hide. With Thun stepping ahead to act as a torch, the others marched anxiously round the great gloomy vault-like apartment. "'No place to hide, no provisions, nothing to eat or drink,' Nothing, exclaimed the elegant elephant, sinking down on the wash tub. That is, nothing to do but wait for destruction, he concluded bitterly. Well, we're not destroyed yet, declared Randy, sticking out his chin. Everything seems quiet above. Maybe Glodwig is not going to use Planety's staff till morning. With a discouraged sniff, Kabumpo began poking in the boxes behind him. Finding one full of excelsior, he started to stuff the choking material into his mouth with his trunk. Randy was sure the Excelsior would disagree with them, but when Kabumpo was in such a mood, it was quite useless to argue with them. So, beckoning for Thun to light the way, he and Planety set out on a second tour of investigation. Randy paused dubiously before a collection of squat bottles and jugs. He was convinced they contained liquids or vapors powerful enough to help them. But the directions on the labels were all in some strange magician's code, and Randy hesitated to open even one of the magic bottles. Experience had taught him that a wizard's wares were dangerous, and he himself had seen the red gin subdue whole armies by releasing incense from a blue jug. So, selecting two pocket-sized jars, to use only in case of everything else failed, Randy moved on to the other side of the cellar. Here, on top of a chest, he discovered a small red handbag. Instead of the usual fastenings, two real hands formed the clasp, and when Randy opened the bag it quickly jerked out of his grasp and began springing all over the cellar on its hands, pouncing gleefully on papers and bottles and stuffing them into its side pockets. It did look so comical, Planety burst into a peal of merriment. Even Randy could not keep back a grin. It was a relief to see the little princess more like herself again, for since the loss of her voral staff she had been unnaturally quiet and sad. Wait, I'll catch it for you, offered Randy, dismissing for a moment all thoughts of the dreadful danger they were in. It must be one of Jinnicky's inventions. Look, Kabumpo, a bag that really packs itself. Watch out it doesn't pinch you, warned Kabumpo morosely. He had already begun to regret the excelsior and was rumbling with indigestion. I was never one to hold with hand luggage myself. Oh, yes you were, crowed Randy falling on the bag as if it had been a football and coming up triumphantly with it clutched to his middle. You use your trunk for a hand, Kabumpo, and doesn't that make it hand luggage? Hey, hey, hooray! Never thought I'd make a joke in this dismal place. It's a pretty dismal joke, if you ask me. 
the elegant elephant heaved himself stiffly off the washtub. Keep it away from me, he warned crossly, as Randy, paying no attention to the thumps of the handbag, managed to get it shut again. As soon as it was closed, the bag subsided and seemed absolutely unalive. Here, puffed Randy, holding it out to Planety. This bag will pack itself, madam, and you can use it every time you go on a journey. Can I? How nice! Planety beamed at her young companion. Well, who's going on a journey? inquired Kabumpo sarcastically, walking up and down to relieve his indigestion. We'll probably spend the rest of our unnatural lives in this abominable basement. Say something, can't you? he shouted, glaring at poor Thun. I can hardly see where I'm going. As fast as Planety translated this rude speech, the thundercold sent up his answer. If I said all the words I am thinking, puffed Thun temperishly, this room would be very red bright, Mr. Kabumti, very red bright indeed. The thundercold's speech and his further remarks made Randy and Planety laugh again. Let's see what else we can find, proposed the young king. In spite of Kabumpo's gloomy predictions, he was feeling more hopeful. Maybe this time we'll turn up something we can really use. Oh, maybe yes, maybe yes, trilled Planety, slipping swiftly as Quicksilver after Randy. Passing by some dusty apparatus and an old spinning wheel, they discovered a huge red drum behind the pile of old trunks. The sticks were stuck through a cord in the sides, and it was so heavy that the two between them could hardly carry it. But giggling and puffing, they dragged it into the center of the cellar and dropped it down before Kabumpo. See what we have now. Dusting off his clothes, Randy surveyed it proudly. Huh, a drum. The elegant elephant moved his ears forward and then back. Well, what grumpy use is a drum? Am I in a parade? Do you expect me to beat it? Beat the drum? Planety looked surprised and shocked. Is that what a drum is for, Bumpo dear? Well, yes, in a way. A bit ashamed of himself, Kabumpo drew out one of the sticks. It goes like this, he said, raising the drumstick high in his trunk. Oh no, Kabumpo, no! Don't do that or you have Glutwig down here. It would make too much noise. What if it does? Kabumpo shrugged his great shoulders. We might as well perish now as tomorrow. I'm perishing of hunger anyway. Before Randy could interfere, he brought the drumstick down with a thump that split the taut surface of the drum from edge to edge. The loud rip and bong made the rafters ring, and scarcely had they recovered from that shock before a small black boy in an enormous turban sprang out of the drum itself and began sobbing and spluttering and hugging Kabumpo as if he never would let him go. Good Gillikins! It's Ginger! panted Randy, as Planety caught him anxiously by the sleeve. It's the slave of the magic dinner bell. He can bring us dinners and whatever one wants when Jinnicky rings for him. Hi, who shut you up in that drum, boy? That big old red wig, sniffed Ginger, drying his tears in Kabumpo's robe. Oh, how can I ever thank you, Mr. Elephant, so elegant? I remember you. I remember him. The bellboy jerked his thumb delightedly at Randy. And many times I thank you. Fifty times eleven, I thank you. You see, if I am shut up in a drum, it is impossible for me to answer the master's ring if he needs me. And it is me now, I know it, I know it. But how can he call you unless he has the dinner bell? asked Randy, edging closer. Did Jennicate take the bell with him when... To save himself, Randy could not finish the dismal sentence. 
when Gludwig pushed him into the sea, you mean?" Ginger's brown face puckered up again, but controlling his sobs with great effort, he sat down on the edge of the drum and told them the whole story of Jinnicky's mischance and misfortunes. "The Master, as you know," explained Ginger, his eyes rolling sideways as he caught sight of Planetty and Thun, whose like he had never seen in his entire magic existence. The master is always kind and jolly and unsuspecting. This Glutwig was the manager of a ruby mines and one of Jinnicky's most trusted officers. But all the time this viper, this snake, this villainous black snake, Ginger clenched his fists and kicked his heels angrily against the drum, was planning to steal a red jinn's throne and magic, in addition to his own splendid mansion and fortune. One evening, seven moons ago, having trained his miners into an army of rebellion. Glodwick marched upon our castle and drove everybody out. Everybody? The elegant elephant, picking Ginger up in his trunk, looked earnestly into his face. Everybody, repeated the little bellboy, wagging his turban sorrowfully. Ali Babel, the Grand Advizier, all the members of the court and household were sent to the mines under the cruel rule of Glubdo, Glodwick's brother. And they are there now, working without rest, hope or reward. He marched the master to the head of the highest cliff and pushed him violently into the sea with his own hands. Ginger began to tremble with grief and anger at the memory of it all. He ordered the bandsmen to seal me up in this drum, knowing a drum is the only place from which I cannot escape, and hoping I would shrivel up and perish. But I, I said to the little black triumphantly, I am the best part of Jinnicky's magic, so he couldn't destroy me. A quick grin overspread Ginger's face. And he could not destroy my master either. Of that I am sure. And now that the elephant so elegant has let me out, now... Now what? breathed Randy, almost afraid Ginger was not going to tell him. You see, Ginger, we came to visit the Red Jinn, and were immediately captured and dumped down here ourselves. So how can we get out? And what can we do? I will think of something, promised the bellboy. Wriggling out of Kabumpo's trunk, he scurried across the cellar and disappeared beneath an overturned wheelbarrow. So, he will think of something, sniffed Kabumpo, trying not to make it sound too sarcastic. Well, of course, that settles it. And while he is thinking, I intend to take a nap. I'm completely worn out with all these vile plots and villainies. I too will rest, decided Planety reaching over to pat the thunder cold. The strange excitements of the day had wearied the little princess, and this last story of Ginger's had still further puzzled and distressed her. I never thought when I brought you here you'd have to sleep in a place like this, groaned Randy, glancing ruefully round the dingy basement. Oh, it's not so bad, smiled the little princess. Slipping off her cape, she swung it casually between two grimy pillars, and with the handbag tucked under her arm, climbed contentedly into her silver bed. Good night, Randy and Bumpo, dear, she called softly. I believe I shall read for a long, long time. Now what does she mean by that? worried the young king, as the princess blew them each a wistful kiss. Something's wrong, Kabumpo, I feel it. And look there at Thun, why is he acting so strangely? Almost as if he could not see. Look at him, look at him, well, the elegant elephant. Where is he? How can I? It's dark as thunder in here now. Great grump, Randy. I can't see you, him, or anything at all. Stumbling and tripping, he somehow crossed the cellar to the spot where he remembered Thun had been. 
Then, as his trunk struck against the hard cold metal, he recoiled in horror. He's out, moaned the elegant elephant hoarsely. He's not even breathing. Why, he's cold and stiff as stone. Oh, good grump, the cold saved my life, and now what can I do for him? What will we do, Randy? I say, what will we do? Randy had no answer at all, for moved by a dreadful foreboding, he leaned down to touch the face of the little princess of another planet, only to find it still and cold. No sparkling light radiated from Planety now, as quiet and motionless as a statue, she lay wrapped in her silver nets. Ginger, where are you? Ginger, come help us! Randy screamed desperately. Scrambling out from under the barrow, the startled bellboy reached Randy's side in a split second, for Ginger could see as well in the dark as in the daytime. Did Glodwick do this? he panted, his eyes rolling wildly from panity to the frozen thunder cold. No, no, they are far from their own country and need the powerful vanadium springs, groaned Kabumpo, putting out his trunk to touch the little princess. They cannot exist down here, and with Jinniki gone, who's to help them? His tears fell thick and fast on Planety's silver tresses. Then why do we stay here? shuddered Ginger, tugging at Randy's cloak and Kabumpo's robe. Why do we stay? As if to answer Ginger's mournful cry, there was a long whistling rustle in the air, and the next moment Randy, Ginger, Kabumpo, and the princess of another planet were wafted, like feathers through the night, passing easily as mist through the narrow glass windows, up over the castle itself, and out over the silvery moonlit sea. End of chapter 14